Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Monday, November the 2nd, 15. Our call-in number, 646-400-419. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Michael's not with us yet, so I will keep talking. So we welcome you to the show. And if you're not familiar with it, you can go to our website, which is www.whyagain, that's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And we talk about the primary core of our work is Aramaic forgiveness. And it's how you go inside and you remove the energies that don't belong in you. Anger, hostility, fear, guilt, shame. And get back to being who you're designed to be, which is love. And I hear Michael rattling now, so I'm assuming he's with us. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. It's a delight and an honor to be here with everybody who chooses to join us as we enter in once again to the conversation about first century Aramaic forgiveness and the process by which people who are willing to own what's going on inside of them instead of talk about everybody else gets to free themselves from hostility, fear, sadness, grief, rage, trauma, trauma, and in particular power person dynamics. And the power person in this work is a person who has more or had, at one point at least, more power over your life than you did, and that person was not functioning as love. When we get stuck in the place of that person having enough control over our lives that it seems like survival, the tendency is to take on the dynamics of that person and get lost in the process of playing out the behaviors learned from that person and once the mind goes into that place of hostility or fear or what in past teachings was called darkness then until one finds a way to remove the darkness it's difficult to get back to and see the truth of who we are as light and our definition of a human life is an easy thing to understand. All you have to do is hold a newborn child to know what human life is, that it is that light and that life and that presence of love. Jeannie and I have been watching a, a series uh, called The Blacklist, and uh, there was an interesting quote in one of the uh, sessions we watched last night where the main character says, once you cross over, there are things in the darkness that can keep your heart from ever feeling the light again. And except for one fact, that's true. And the fact is that if you don't have forgiveness, then there are things in the darkness that will keep one perpetually lost and locked in that darkness until they're willing to own their own darkness, their own behaviors, their own dynamics, and remove them. So 
the whole idea and the reason we're so dedicated to bringing forgiveness forward into the world is that the darkness has taken over so deeply that even people who have conversation after conversation after conversation about light, when the stress is up and the chips are down, get lost in their power person dynamic and have no idea that it's happening, lost in darkness, lost in misery, with no concept except that it's somebody else's fault, that the one thing they're sure of is that it's all somebody else's fault, that they're miserable, that they're down, that they're sick, that they're in pain, that they're in trauma. It's always some, and their only thoughts are about who it is that caused it for them, who it is, although in most cases it is a dynamic that was well-known and felt and understood and very familiar long before they ever met that person, long, long, long before. But still to get past the darkness of the mind, believing that what's going on inside of us belongs to somebody else is a tough place to go. It takes significant conscious perpetual work and People will blame it on others. You know, it was my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my spouse, my kids, or circumstances. It was this happening, that happening. When this happens, then it makes me. It's all a fraud. It's all a lie. When this happens, whatever the circumstance is, it is not to this happening. That's the cause. It's the content of the mind that is the cause. If one never learns to be responsible for and undo that cause which is within, then this character, Reddington's quote, is absolutely true. Once you cross over, there are things in the darkness that can keep your heart from ever feeling light again. If you have the tool of forgiveness, and if you've crossed over into that darkness, it may seem hopeless. It may seem like there's no way around it. If you'll take the tool of forgiveness... And you'll access those places in you. And, you know, as you, as you use the tools, you'll find that there are places that yesterday that talk about it was so much trauma you couldn't possibly do it. Well, the places that are so much trauma that you can't talk about it without blaming somebody else will become the same tomorrow if you can own those places in you and learn to forgive them, learn to remove them. So that which blocks the light can be removed if you have forgiveness. Now, if you go back 2,000 years, you'll find that in the Aramaic language, the man Yeshua, who was the original teacher of this process that we're teaching of first century Aramaic forgiveness, said, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. And that's been translated by the Greeks to be some sort of a bleeding heart statement and you let them off the hook for what's happening inside of you. But in Aramaic, that's not what that means at all. In Aramaic, you forgive from your own internal dynamics, from your own unconscious, your heart, that which you've put into your brain's image of your brother. The reason you're feeling your disturbance or your upset is because there's disturbance or upset in you, not because somebody else said or did something not because of a circumstance. But if you blame it on circumstance, guaranteed you get to remain in darkness. Because the minute you blame, the minute you think something or somebody outside of you is causing what's happening inside of you, then you have to hide the cause of what's happening inside of you, and that cause becomes perpetual. Until it's accessed and removed, it will seem to run the show. With forgiveness, no matter how dark your life has been, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter at all. If you are willing to go there and love follows, comes with you, you bring that presence of love or you have support for doing that, then that which is hidden in the darkness dissolves and you'll be freed from it. And I don't care what the behavior is. So we're here to take that technology of forgiveness and make it available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And so if you haven't accessed the technology yet, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And if you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see a, uh, a bullseye in the middle of the page. If you click on that bullseye, then... That will open a whole series of links for how to enter into the forgiveness process and put it to work. 
And as you put it to work, what you find is everything changes. No longer stuck in the dynamics of the mind of the past, one enters into a new level of comprehension of what's possible. And if you haven't read our book, it's a free download on our website in English, German, Russian, Spanish, Farsi. The book is in Swedish, but right now you have to order the book. The, uh, the Swedish publisher wouldn't let us put it on our website free. They had the fear that there would be a loss of money if we did that. And so that, uh, unfortunately, uh, is not in Swedish, but the book is available. I'm actually carrying on discussions right now with a young man in Nepal and talking to a a 22-year-old young man in Kathmandu who is working in his community. There's been a lot of trauma and political turmoil in in the country, in the region, and uh, he's had some family trauma. So we've been speaking for several weeks, and uh, we just kind of opened the conversation that uh, he may translate the book into uh, their local language and uh, and then come and join us this summer at Heartland to uh, – to learn the work on another level and uh, take it uh, forward to every mind, heart, and being on the planet, and that uh, and that's the uh, the whole process that we're looking to do is to make this a a global event, globally available. Whether people have money or not, it's irrelevant. Come play, put the tool to work, and we'd be delighted to share it with you. And so, Jeannie, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? He is, and he's on. Dr. Tim, how do you be, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Enjoying the intro. Cool. I was anything um, exciting in your world? Well, I was in a church meeting on uh Sunday. There's a transition going on in the church because Reverend Tom has decided to retire. So the Unity Church in Woodstock is trying to do it right and trying to get a a professional transition coach to work with the congregation and and um so it was very interesting because I heard bits and pieces of the kind of work that I do with people and that you would do with people the recognition that um this coach was leading people to understand that in the process of this transition, there are going to be all these different emotions, confusion, anger, sadness, etc. And that most likely what they're feeling is going to be stuff from their childhood that's just getting stirred up because of what's the changes that are taking place in the church. And that this is an opportunity to heal. And I thought that was just uh, wonderful. I mean, there, it doesn't All have right. the, whole, the whole piece about canceling goals and the forgiveness process, but the direct recognition that if somebody is angry, I mean, this this woman actually said, so, you know, if you're feeling confused or hurt or angry about Reverend Tom's decision to uh, retire, it might be that there was a situation in your childhood where somebody that you really counted on all of a sudden left, and now all of those energies are up in your face. And she literally gave a an example from her own life where her father was a minister and died when she was young, and then she got married and promptly assumed that the person she married was going to leave her, so she treated him in such a way that he did. (laughs) And it was not until after doing much work and looking at the pattern from the perspective of hindsight that she was able to uncover that. So I just thought that was a nice indication that at least pieces of the tools are getting out more and more. I know we've wor- I've worked over the years. I've, I've been to several churches where ministers have left, have 
died or gotten themselves in trouble and been thrown out or just, you know, retired as, as Thomas, the way bless his heart. And, um, it's, you know, it just brings up so many, in particular, family dynamics that people have never looked at and resolved. You know, dad left, mom left, authority left, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, the church is, is one of the places on the planet where every family dynamic that's never been resolved surfaces. I think that's one of the reasons why I think the the latest numbers are there are approximately 32,000 denominations of so-called Christianity, why 32,000? Because every time somebody gets peeved at somebody else, they often start their own thing, and on and on and on it goes. So that's great that uh, that the conversation is being that clearly held and uh, and moving through. And you know, it might be a, a perfect time to uh, to schedule a, a why workshop and and help folks to move through those layers. Because certainly when the, when the leader leaves, especially, you know, somebody that's beloved like Tom is, uh, that, um, that definitely brings things up for people. Yeah, it, it does. And it's, um, it's already coming up. And of course there's all of the, all the pieces that she predicted in the intro session were already happening. So people are offended and people are doing power grabs and people are doing, you know, well, as soon as he's gone, I'll come back to the church because I never liked him anyway. And others are saying, well, <laughs> if he leaves, I'm leaving because he was the only reason I came here. And all those things are going on. And with tools and awareness that it's all coming from inside me, I can go inside myself and and use it as a healing opportunity. I can For sure. accept accept and grow from the lessons that are being shown to me rather than resist them and stay stuck. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anything, so in, uh, in, yeah, anything in the practice happening? Any uh, patterns you're seeing in particular that we can talk about today? Um. I'd say probably the 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 issue that I'm running up against most between Friday and this morning is um, blame and and blame is whether blaming oneself or blaming another as the absolute blinder to any possibility of change or the blockage to any possibility of change. And um, kind of the, the sidebar to that is people's vehement anger at wanting to hold on to their blame. That would be the theme. Someone uh, put a post on, on Facebook uh the other day, and I thought it was pretty cool. I, I reposted it, and it said, "Anger is simply sadness's bodyguard." And you know, the, alluding to the fact that we drug ourselves with anger, so we don't have to feel whatever's going on under the surface. And you know, whenever anger comes forward, whenever that hostility starts to rise, it's it's because there's some sort of pain going on. And and of course the Forgiveness process allows us to drop into that pain and move it out of the way. So it's pretty amazing when people are willing to do that, but hard to do as long as the conversation's about what you did to me. It's difficult to get my mind through the conditioning process and then out the other side. You know, I still have. Yes. Uh, you know, with with as I talk about, I've had 45 years of very very strict conditioning, including my psychological training. We talked about you know how did that make you feel, and you have a right to your anger, and you're the victim and you're the perpetrator, and and so. But that was I had forty five years of that before I contacted this work this clearly, and um people hinted at this 
process of personal responsibility, but with the level of absolute, all the way to the core, 100% responsibility for what goes on in me, I was 45 years old before I got that. So I am still working on unraveling those 45 years of conditioning and occasionally get triggered, and I've been working on it, actively working on it for years. So it's um, it's not surprising to me that people who are just getting introduced to this are having a very difficult time letting go of blame and have strong resistance, even anger, at the suggestion that they let go of their blame. Because for most people, that's the only tool they've ever been given to distance themselves from their pain. So that's why I'm grateful to have these additional tools. Are you there, Michael? Did, uh, did Michael, you actually, there was a lot of racket on your end, so I had muted your phone. Apologies. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So I was just asking Jeannie if there was anybody in the uh, phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room for us to be aware of. No, it's quiet on both ends. All is quiet on the home front. Okay. My hand just went up. 910, cool. you're on the air. Hey, Jeannie and Michael, Dr. Kim, how are you today? This is Susan. Well, hey there, young lady. Welcome. Hmm. Glad to hear your sweet voice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the same is true for hearing you all. I'm glad that you're still here. I um, I just want to echo <laughs> what Dr. Week. Kim just I know. Well, it was a rough weekend I, I, in my mind, reality there. So, uh, like, the world is still here even after the... Um, storm came through in my in my reality anyway so um i'm actually working but i wanted to say uh echo what dr tim said because it resonated brain cells for me that one thing i realized um this weekend another layer surfaced and um one thing i've learned to, to and carrie and i talked about it too is that when i'm in uh, any kind of rage or upset when something happens i notice for myself that underneath that rage are tears and um, some kind of pain, hurt, sadness, grief, or fear. Um, so the the rage is a way for me to, um, in the past, to mood alter that pain and rage or pain and hurt. It's always that I'm hurt. Right. I look like I'm being, I'm attacking. But really, what I'm, it's a cry. It's just like the Course in Miracles says, it's a cry for love. Because really yes. inside I'm saying, oh, my God, this is so painful that I can't bear to to, to feel it. Um, I've got to run and I've got to blame and do all the above to get away. And it's not true. Um, so that's one thing that started to in my mind that when the rage starts to come up, I'm going, oh, let's check out now. Are you are you sad? Do you want to cry? Do you, are you afraid? What's really going on? Because you're wanting to attack. So, um and I can I talk to Terry about it, too. Uh, you know, I've been on this path a long time. And, um, of course, having the tools now with the why again work and the tree forgiveness has made an incredible difference of, move, of moving it out so that other layers can surface. Um, but also having the vitality and the connection to God's source, the strength to be able to look at it um, and live through it. Um, just major shifts this weekend. Um, came home from my grandchild's third birthday party with lots of um, opportunities for um, moving out pain around my daughter um, and around the, the, my grandson. When I got there, the words that were they were saying were amazingly um, you know thanks to the effect of you're such a mess you're 
so much trouble, you know, follow da da on and on, and uh, you're going to tear something else up or, you know, what something. And I, my constant words out of my mouth is cancel the thought, cancel that thought out loud. I was saying that. <laughs> anyway, um, so by the time I got back to Wilmington, Terry was on his way to my house, and um, he met me there, and um, it was it was a setup. It was perfect by spirit. Terry and I look at it now. So it evolved, and he um, he actually left on Sunday, and he turned around, and he came back to the house and um, and breathed me. He said his guidance was to come back and breathe me, and there was huge awesome. movement. Yeah, huge movement in that breath session. I mean, um, I've never been so surprised to. I was sitting on the computer trying, you know, working on my laws of living flyer to get it out. Somebody had requested it. And um, there's a knock on the door, and Houston's barking his head off. And I'm like, who in the world could this be? And I open it, and there stands Terry. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing here? And he said, I think I need to breathe you. <laughs> I was like, I think you need to breathe me too. That's great. So um, I was not a, it, was, it was a beautiful session. It was one that I've never seen before as far as his intuitiveness to know what to do. I was a had the thought I was going to get some grief points, but I didn't. Anyway, it might have been helpful, but it was a, a big session. It took overnight, and I'm still this morning integrating the process of a lot of, uh, oh, my goodness. The core, as, as Terry would say, he hit, it was core issues that were triggered, and it was difficult for my mind or anybody that would have seen it on a movie would have thought, he was the villain, and they would have thought he was to blame. And um, at the time, I was just in such a stunned state that uh, I just kept breathing, and it was uh, it was perfect. I just want to say it was perfect. It's, it's not anything that I would ever I would want to even share, but it was absolutely perfect to bring up the next uh, really layer of grief and sadness um, and terror. Um, from from inside of me, so there's a big opening for me uh, to step into my work, step into the work of doing this, I believe. I believe it's moving out, but the vitality of the relationship and us juicing and continuing to juice is allowing layer after layer to surface and uh, clear. So I'm just, um, I, I laugh, I say I'm on the roller coaster and I'm, I'm seatbelt buckled in and I can't seem to un- get it undone. <laughs> The seatbelt has me in the seat firmly. So enough of that. I just want to say um, I'm learning a lot. I'm growing and I'm staying present to it. So and I thank Terry from the bottom of my heart for his willingness to help me to heal and clear what doesn't belong in me. Yay. That's awesome. I know that the, uh, you know, we've had several conversations and uh, the layers you guys have been going through is just, it's fabulous and, you know, it's always interesting how the mind will have a conversation about something out there and just kind of gloss over the fact that, oh, I've got something going on in here. But, you know, if I could just figure out what they're doing, then then I'd be okay. Then everything would be all right. And the, to retrain the mind to keep coming back inside of itself and back inside of itself and, oh, I've got some turmoil about this. Why am I talking about you? Oh, I've got turmoil about this. Why am I talking about you? Well, there's nothing for me to say about you. Well, I could say a lot of things about you, but the truth is I'm in turmoil, so why don't I talk about me? Why don't I look at what my work is? And so it's a, it's a, a, such a big piece of learning from, as Tim was talking about, the conditioning. The conditioning of the world is, you know, the whole conversation is all about somebody else. And when we move into that responsibility communication piece, it is, Monumental. Well, thank you. Monumental. Absolutely true. Yes, it is. I I will say this, though. The first thing that happened was um, Terry was leaving. (laughs) He was done. So I breathed him first. And then when he got out of it and was in a great place, I got into my stuff. It just was (laughs) big. And then he he breathed me. And I asked him, I said, I said, do you feel like we're playing ping pong? <laughs> I love ping pong, but I don't know. I don't know about this. So anyway, it was, it was, we had just gotten to such a great place. I'd finally, because I was watching him, and I'm going, wow, he's really going to leave. <laughs> and then I said, would you like me to breathe you? And he let me breathe him. And he said he had got that intuitive 
uh, message before he left uh, Asheville that he would he saw us both breathing on the table. So he but he said it just didn't unfold, but it did unfold very clearly. So mm. it was a perfect weekend. <laughs> mm. So anyway, I'll start awesome. off with that because I've sweet. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you guys, and and you know we could let folks know again your laws of living class in Wilmington, North Carolina is starting on. It's starting on the um, next Monday, next Monday night, six next o'clock. Monday. Mm-hmm. So, and so I've got to not, get not, things not this, rolling. Not this Monday coming, but the following Monday. Not today. A week from today is is that's the day I set. Cool. A week awesome. from today, Michael, I can't get out of my stuff. It's so funny. My stuff is up so much. It's like I've got to um, have enough time to do my to get my flower out. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but I will say I've got, I think it's four or five signed up already, and so I had a few more spots. Awesome. So I was calling some people that had said they wanted to do it. So anyway. Very yeah. cool. So thank you all for your support. Every one of you and every one of you listening, it's the vitality of calling into this group. I believe raises everybody. So call in, ask your questions. It's important. It, it really does move it. And maybe I well, can you've call got our support. <laughs> you, you definitely have our support, and uh, we're excited about this next Laws of Living class coming up that you're doing, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how it all unfolds. Thank you, thank you. Have a great day, right. y'all. I'll listen. Okay. Love and blessings. All right. Take care. Bye bye. So our calling number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations we can't see in our control panel and you want to talk to us, you dial that number and you'll be talking with us. Jeannie, anybody with a hand up or anything happening in the uh, chat room? Yes. We have a hand up, and I believe it's Miss Erica, 847. You're on the air. Well, hey there, young lady. Welcome. Oh. <laughs> hey there. Can you hear me? How are you? Oh, you're loud and clear. We got you. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I'm doing okay. I need a mind shifter statement. Those seem to be the most effective tool for me. It's a great Um, tool, isn't it? Yeah, I love, you know, I love writing. So I get my statement and then I just go for like two hours and then I sit and breathe. (laughs) Um, Bingo, look what... Where did that come from? <laughs> In all of my worksheets, I think I revolved around the same topic. I don't know. Can I just tell you what happened, and then you can sure. give me what you Go hear? Uh, yesterday I went to Sam's Club, and I was almost on the verge of a panic attack. And I'm just, like, I'm just walking through, and just the items are in bulk, and this idea of, like, consumerism is just going through my mind and I just feel so overwhelmed and anxious and everyone looks dead to me and I'm like what kind of world am I living in and then well then I left and then I was going out to dinner with my friend and walking into the restaurant I'm like I started sort of freaking out again because I was nervous I'm like what do I need to eat what am I consuming where did this food come from who are these people in the restaurant what's the system I'm buying into And then this morning, I did a worksheet on it, and then I went to go talk to a colleague. I'm at work, technically, and I was triggered again. So I did another worksheet, and this one, that worksheet, again, led down uh, to this idea of consumption, and I don't know what to do with it besides call you. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, I'm wondering if by any chance... Julie Haversick is on. If she happens to be, she might share with us uh, a little conversation she had about uh, people being dead. Julie, if you happen to be there and you feel inclined to share that story with us, I think that would be powerful at this moment. And uh, we give her a second to just see if her hand goes up. And and while we're waiting to see, uh, Jeannie, if you'll just break in, I'll I'll, uh, I'll relinquish the floor to her. But for those who are new to the work or perhaps new to the show, a mind shifter is a tool that we use. It's a written tool where what you do is you take a page, you split it in two, and you write the thought, the mind shifter on the left, and then on the right side of the page you just do a brain dump. You let everything that that surfaces in you 
just flow onto the page. So what happens is because the mind works by resonance, every time you write that mind shifter, it will resonate content that's linked to it in the mind. So, you know, one of my favorite mind shifters that I give people is I always earn twice as much as I can spend. So what the opposite side of the page might look like is you're crazy. That's ridiculous. I can't even pay my bills. Mind goes quiet. So once again, I write the mind shifter. I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Why? That's just ridiculous. You know, they repossessed my car last week. Cancel that thought. Well, I always earn twice as much as I can spend. Well, but, and so, so the idea is to let that mind shifter sink in and resonate everything that's in the mind that we normally keep hidden from ourselves so we can get to, uh, to look at what's going on within the mind. So a mind shifter that I would suggest that you, that you uh, use to look at all of the beliefs, you know, it sounds like one of the primary concerns is consumerism, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's behind it. To get that moving would be, it's safe and healing for me to be an outrageous consumer of everything. <laughs> My response right now is, Michael, that is stupid, so I know you gave then, me a really good mind okay. <laughs> First first thing on the right side of the page. I noticed that you thought, thought that and your breath stopped too. <laughs> That's another good indicator that So so and and the idea isn't well now I'm gonna go out and be an outrageous consumer. The idea is to look at what do I keep you know, in psychology it's been pretty well established that probably ninety to ninety five percent of our mental processes are unconscious. And if we have turmoil going on in the unconscious, that's when things like that panic attack happen. So that mind shifter will facilitate those brain cells firing, getting that out on the page so you can be conscious of it, and then you can see that, oh, I've got some forgiveness work to do around, you know, when I was four year old, you know, four years old, somebody did this rant about how we're destroying the planet with consumerism, and so I can dump that four-year-old panic and stand in a space of being a sane and reasonable consumer. You know, I, I take care of myself. I'm responsible for what I buy. I'm responsible for what I throw away, blah, 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 and so... That's the idea of using a mind shifter, and so I think you'll. Yeah, it sounds like that'll be an effective one. Yeah, my my entire arm was just tense when I was writing it down. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man! And and that tension is that tension's part of the holding on and resistance to looking at an idea. Uh, you know, if you go back to the ancient Aramaic, where we're told about this dude with a red suit of tail and a pitchfork called Satan. In the Aramaic, the word is a lowercase word. It's not a capital, the name of another god. You know, we we have people talk about this one god system, but then they want a god for good and a god for bad. But in Aramaic, Satan means the resistor, one who misleads. And that tension that would show up in a part of the body, whether it's the arm or the breath or the, the belly or whatever it is, that's the resistance to, no, no. I don't want to look at what's stored here. And and the mind functioning through every cell in the body, the resistance will show up wherever the key data is stored that we don't want to look at and feel. So another part of the mind shifter process is to pay attention, to breathe fully, see where tension is, let the tension go, and then just let things flow to the surface. And then instead of the data being unconscious, it's conscious, and you can select and choose what to do with it rather than just be run by it. You know, it's interesting in the Aramaic, there's a, a suffix that is O-O-T-A. And when you add O-O-T-A to a word, that means that something from the unconscious is controlling perception, decisions, and behaviors. And you look at most people with the fact that, you know, 90 to 95% of their data is unconscious. Most people are being run from their perception, decisions, and behavior, being run from the unconscious mind. And... My my take is that the unconscious mind is an artificial condition. We're not designed for that at all. We're designed to be fully conscious of everything going on in us all the time. And when we bring things out of hiding, we're no longer run from an unconscious level. So thanks for being willing to just do the next piece of work that's right in your face. <laughs> I have to if I cool. want to move forward. That's what it takes. You're right. Right mm. on. Cool. Well, thank you, Michael. Did well, um, I'm glad to be on the team. Uh, uh, who who are you looking for, Julie? Did Julie put her hand up to talk to me about the dead? 
Uh, she did, I believe this is Julie uh, four one seven. You're on the air. Is this Julie? Yes, it is. Hey, hey there, young lady. You have Hi, such Julie. a powerful story about that uh, idea of uh, people being dead, Julie. That I just thought I'd invite you to share it if it felt appropriate to do so. You mean what the what I experienced with my mother and father when they made their transition? Well, no, just what. Um, what Erica was saying was she's walking through the store and she's seeing all these people and, you know, her thought is they're dead. And oh, it was, uh, oh, yeah. I think, uh, an event where you were walking up the hill and, uh, after going through a particular process and, uh, and what, what your guidance was in that regard. Okay. So what, what I recall is when we were on the road and I, I had this, um, interaction where I thought I was dreaming, but, it really didn't seem like a dream. And what I was explaining to a certain source of energy, I was giving them all kinds of reasons why these people were alive. And I said, well, you know, look, they're active in their church. He's a doctor. They have five children. Look, they live, live in this beautiful house. If, if this is what you recall, Michael. And then I said, surely they're alive. And then the response was, no, they're dead. And then I um, went to another situation where, you know, this person was a, you know, um, a, a minister and his wife was doing charitable work and, you know, they were doing all these good things in the community. And I said, well, surely they're alive. And, you know, and the, the response with this higher source of energy said, no, they're dead. And this went on for about, you know, uh, where my mind was picking out what I would think were just ideal people, um, and I would pick him out, and I would give all the reasons why I thought they were alive, and the response was always, no, that they're dead. And so I said, well, I just I just don't get it. You know, I just don't get why are they dead. And then, then the, the bottom line was of this whole thing, which lasted probably a couple of hours, uh, was, well, you know, you're only alive if you're connected to source. And they're not. Mm. And that was, you know, the hours of my giving reason for why they were alive, um, which would be the reflection of, you know, what we see in our world, uh, why they were alive. Um, And the response was always from a higher source of information, no, they're dead. So we are, um, what I can gather, you know, the dead buried by the dead. I believe (laughs) that is that in the Bible, Michael? Or is that in the Course in Miracles? No, that's in the Bible. The okay. blind led by the blind and the dead buried by the dead. Right. And so that would just give you another validation that, you know, if you're going to be alive, you're going to be plugged in. It's just like if you want toast, you got to plug the toaster into its source. We're not plugged into its source. So you might have been getting, at, at, you know, really true feedback. But I would also look at, well, how does that reflect for me? Am I plugged in? And um, that would be maybe the direction I would go in. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I was getting, you know, divine feedback in that regard, only because the situation triggered so much anxiety in me. Right. That I, I wasn't. I wasn't like at peace or curious. I was not in that realm whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, well, that's good feedback. And as, you, as you're doing your work, and you're asking, and I know you've been working towards staying connected to source, you know, uh, our, our basic bottom line is how do you, how do you know when there's a human life present is love conscious, active and present. If so, then there's human life. If one has been lost in the thumbprints in the condition of the world's hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, and trauma, then human life is not present. And so, it's it's that active presence of love. If we define human life as love, and and I think we're fairly safe at at doing that when you recognize that uh, everyone in the world, when they describe the essence of the newborn child, describes something about love. And when we fall into the game of hostility, fear, sadness, and rage, then we lose our human lives. It was interesting. I was doing some research on this, oh, I don't know, a year or so ago, and I came across a quote from a first century B.C. rabbi who said, in a world where there is no human life, we must each strive to be human. 
you know, as far back as 2,100 years ago, they were recognizing, like, where did human life go? And so, you know, in, in your process, in your work, it sounds like maybe some instruction opened up in you. And, yes, would there perhaps be, would that instruction perhaps resonate anxiety and fear? Gee, am I alive? Am I dead? What's what's going on here? And so I could easily see that it might be uh, a piece of guidance opening up for you and, and being shown how, how, you know, as you as you really settle with that and breathe and, and go to the next level, then okay, what do I do to bring forward this active presence of love so that I live there, twenty four seven three sixty five, and when I'm not there, I take responsibility, I communicate, and I work through it. Thank you. Delighted, glad to be on the team. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Julie, for sharing the story. That's You're very welcome. That was it was a really interesting story. <laughs> you are It was. In fact, um when I was sharing it with Michael, he said, Document it, write it down. You you're gonna want to remember this. Yeah. That's fantastic. Right. All right, well I will do my mind shifter tonight after work. Um Cool. Well let us know how it goes. Yeah, we'll do. Thank you. All right. We appreciate your blessings. Bye. So it looks like we've got about 14 minutes left for conversation. So if you have a question or a thought for us, we would appreciate uh, you putting your hand up. And you do that by pushing one on your phone. And we were talking with someone the other day, and they said the only phone they had was an old dial phone. It's like, well, I don't know how we get to talk to somebody from a dial phone. You know, those things are certainly from antiquity. But uh, if you've got one of these digital wonders, then push one, and a little hand goes up in the phone queue, and Jeannie will know you have a question or a thought for us, and she'll introduce you by introducing your area code. So, Jeannie, do we have anything happening in the chat room or in the phone queue? Well, I'm not real sure if um, it seemed like the, the switchboard flickered. Julie, did you have something else to add? I wasn't sure if you went off and came back on. Right. I have a question. And so, um, great. For that, Michael. Okay. So my question. Yes. So my question is: At one time, we come, we we get born, and we're still connected to source, and we're still in that space of love and bliss. And then we we experience the power person dynamic. I'm doing this in a very simple, you know, form right here. We we experience the power person dynamic, and we separate from source. And at that particular point, we form other goals, uh, and we begin to live our life out of that egoic mind or these other goals. Uh, time period, um, does that happen? Um, you know, I think you mentioned at one point, I, I want to be careful that I'm not answering my own question. So uh, um, what time point does that happen? And then also, um, it, it seems to me that when I'm working with people, Oftentimes, that even though they're grown up or they're considered adults, they're you know like 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever, you know, they are still blocked by a goal that happened very very young, like when they were maybe four or three, or even came in with a goal that was resonated. Um, so, do you could you speak to that? Well, you know, as a basis for that conversation to recognize that perception is the root of all behavior and the root of all perception is our goals. Great line in The Course of Miracles that says, you must be aware of the distorting power of the way you want it to be. And so if someone, let's say, for instance, sets a goal to be loving, gentle, and respectful in a relationship, they say, well, that's that's it. That's my goal. And there's an underlying goal that maybe goes back to a time when the child was attacked and didn't feel safe. And the child created a goal of, well, if anybody ever gets in my face, I'm going to just sock it to them. If that goal is never canceled or removed for that child, that three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, then 60 years later, 
if that goal is activated, i.e. one isn't feeling safe and it looks like there's attack happening, then even though they have a later goal that says, I want to be loving, that will be overridden and perception will be driven by that underlying goal of I need to protect myself, be in control, and attack back. And so oftentimes it's the, the, the deepest healing happens in the uncovering of those early goals and being able to remove them so that they're no longer driving perception from that unconscious level, from those Uta brain cells. I remember working with a woman in Atlanta many years ago who was in her late 30s, early 40s, and uh, one of the issues that she had and that she was really upset with herself around was that uh, she had been promiscuous all her life. And no matter what she did, she just couldn't control herself. Until she touched into being five or six years of age and having an uncle that she just dearly loved. She just loved to hug him and sit on his knee and play with him. It was just like, you know, when she was small, it was like he was just the light of her life. And when she was about six or so, he kind of strong-armed her and pushed her away, which she did not understand. And that resulted in a goal to want to be close to her uncle. So when she was able to touch into that and cancel that goal, that was the end of this unconscious drive toward promiscuity. She could meet a man and say hello and say goodbye and, you know, thank you. I don't need to get into bed with you. But as long as that underlying goal, and that was her take, that's what she touched into and was able to get rid of that gave her back control of her own mind. Otherwise, it was always this desire to be close to her uncle, which, you know, translated somehow into her mind of uh, if I'm close to a man, then I'm going to fulfill that goal. And so the, the behavior prompts are distorted by those ancient, highly emotional goals that take over even in the presence of a different choice now. And that's the reason for that forgiveness worksheet process, the reason for the awakening process, because if we're asleep, if there's an unconscious goal running the game, we're literally asleep, and it will create perceptions that drive us to behaviors that are off base. If we awaken, and there's the idea of the wake-up sheet, if we awaken, then we get to see the underlying driver, get to clean it out, and then what we choose to do today will actually be the primary driver in the system. And so, yes, most people, I, I wouldn't say a lot, I'd say most people, their whole lives are driven by goals that relate back to their power person. The need to survive, the need to be accepted, the need to be loved, you know, all of those sorts of things tend to run people their whole lives long, and anybody who threatens the achievement of those goals becomes the object of some form of hostility or fear. Does that get where you want to go, Julie? Is that addressing what you were thinking of? Absolutely. Uh, I have one more cool. question. Okay, Please, so go let's for take it. Okay, let's take a look at the commitment that you and Jeannie have been working on and you have been working on for a very long time, um, which is, you know, to develop a certain a different type of personal code. Well, right. um, that commitment is a high aspiration of behavior. This is what I want to be. Ultimately, this is what I want to be. So if we make the commitment, I'm just using this as a tool, the commitment as our higher aspiration, but we're not there, then won't everything that is less than that commitment in time be resonated if we keep reading that commitment every day? Precisely. And you could you could literally take every line in the commitment and use it as a mind shifter. You know, I promise to trust you enough to tell you the truth. And somebody writes that and, and starts to let them themselves do a brain dump on that. And up is going to come the trust issues. Up is going to come issues around truth, or truth not safe or, or truth not fair or whatever that, the dynamics are in the hidden part of the mind. So you could literally take, in order to take it to the next level, every line of the commitment turned into a mind shifter and move through every piece of it and see where those, again, those unconscious dynamics are. 
Right. Okay, good. Well, then I was today working with a student on that, and, um, you know, they had a lot of apprehension about even just saying that commitment. And I Mm. know that, but Doug said, but when you say that, you sow this in your field first. And even though you send this out to someone else, you're going to first sow it in your own field so it will strengthen the behavior that you want to strengthen, and then you send that out. And I, I think exactly. yeah, I think sometimes people are think, and this is just my perception from my past, that they think they can do a behavior without it first happening to ourselves, which I think um, it's something that maybe needs to be addressed, that when we do something outside of us, it always goes through us first. Exactly. Yeah. It all. It, I I can't function out of brain cells that I don't have, and so as I start to build those brain cells, and you're, you're right with, then everything different. If I say I'm going to be loving with everyone, that means that if I really mean that, if I'm really going to integrate that, that means every angry thought, every sad thought, every fearful thought toward anyone, I'm going to have surface and I'm going to get the opportunity to forgive it, to remove it, so that I can, in fact, be loving with everyone. But I can't be loving with everyone if I've got rage and guilt and grief and hatred and vengeance down there. And, of course, the world just puts its thumbprints of, of guilt and grief and hatred and vengeance in this as deeply as it can. And then it says, now go love your neighbor. It's like, what a setup. Right. And so the, uh, the the work is about, okay, I, I aspire, as you said earlier, perfectly. I aspire to this. And now what work do I need to do to actually do it? rather than talk about it and and uh, not be willing to do what it takes to actually move forward with it. And if I'm not moving forward with it, you, you have to watch the mind because what the mind will tend to do is go, well, I'm not moving forward with it because look what you did. It's like, no, you're not moving forward with it because you're not moving forward with it because of your internal dynamics, not because of what anybody else is doing. But it's the the, the enculturation is so deep to be thinking about somebody else as the problem and never bringing it home. And then right. the, the challenge of the work is to bring it home to the deepest hidden generations in us. And that's a big piece of work. Right. Dr. Tim, you have any thoughts for Julie on that? Well, just that it's, uh, you know, right in line with what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's, I love the idea of using a commitment as a mind shifter. Um, The mind shifter has been one of the more powerful tools for me over the years. And so I would would recommend that if anybody hasn't done it, but use each line of the mind shifter or perhaps each paragraph, uh, since there are three paragraphs in it. Um, But it's a source of rich material. And I've had, Julie, I've had a number of people where I've given them the, the commitment to read and they refuse to read it or they choke up when they're reading it or they say, okay, I'll read that. And they come back a couple of weeks later and they haven't been reading it at all. And then the reasons that were blocking them, the internal uh, stuff that was blocking them from reading it is a really good source of focus for our next work. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, we're down to the last few seconds. So, Julie, if we could have more conversation about this, more thoughts, it would be awesome if you could shout back in tomorrow and we'll continue if that's appropriate. And otherwise, we'll just say thank you, everybody, for your participation. And, Dr. Tim, once again, thank you for your awesome support. If anybody's ready to take your work to the next level, we do have two intensives coming up in Florida in February. If you're up there in what's going to be the wintry north pretty soon, Uh, February 1st, we're going to start a nine-day codependence to interdependence intensive communication practicum. And then we're going to move that nine-day into a 16-day. So there'll be options for either nine-day participation or up to 16 days. And then we're going to do a 16-day laws of living. So if you want to join us for that or you want to look at next uh, summer schedule, it's on the website, whyagain.org. We'll look forward to uh, sharing some of that space with you. In the meantime, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie. 
who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. 